Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Blog Talk Radio. Madison, speaking to the Milani game, Cat is unbelievable. 
Yeah, I'm just feeling. I'm feeling. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. Notre Dame lost. I'm. Feel, I'm just feeling good. I'm feeling good. Dallas won. I'm feeling good. Didn't I predict Dallas was going to win? Have a better season. I'm feeling good right now. My predictions. Kaepernick. Somebody got on me about Kaepernick. I'm feeling good. Can I say it again? I'm feeling good. And I think I'm at least, at least, at least won all three games in my fantasy. I got to figure. It. I'm feeling good today. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> All right. I, I guess I guess we all know now. All the listeners out there know that you're feeling good. I appreciate having having you on in, in your great mood that you're in. All right. Now let me bring in to my left, my man, 100 Grand, Field T Sports PhD. What's happening, Captain? In the words of Deion Sanders, if you look good, you feel good. If you feel good, you play good. If you play good, they pay good. What's happening? <laughs> Oh man, it's gonna be a great night tonight. We are all <laughs> we are all on our game. Both the cats coming in, guns blazing. I like it. I like it. I like it. You're listening to the Real Sports Guys, RealSportsGuys.com, RSC Renegade Radio. We have a a, a bang them up, knock them down, drag them out show planned for you all tonight. Um, but as every show starts with our intro to let them know, so too will this one. So let's go ahead and get into some of the things that we'll cover tonight. Uh, we're going to try to hit you off with some NFL Week 1 recap. We'll have Doug Fisher joining us tonight. Doug Fisher is the associate editor, editor of The Ring magazine and editor of uh, editor of the ring.com magazine and associate editor of Ring magazine. Am I getting this right? I'm trying to see Ring TV. <laughs> I'm trying to ring TV. There's no TV in, in, in the thing. So I'm like, wait, I read the same thing over and over. I mean, at this point, Doug's been with us so many times. Doug is like family. Doug, you know, cousin Doug is coming to talk to us. Yeah. Oh, oh coming Doug to the in. Yeah, we got Doug. So we got Doug coming in. Big fight this weekend. Floyd and Canelo Alvarez, major, major fight. Two undefeated fighters. Floyd is Floyd. We all know what Floyd represents. We all know what Floyd is about. The money team is going to be in full effect. Then there's Canelo, who has been an unstoppable force thus far in his career. He's going to be coming in, and they're going to clash. You know, this is going to be one of those major fights, one of the biggest fights, I would say, of our generation. We're going to see it. Doug is going to come in and chop it up with us, chop it up with us about the uh, Mayweather-Alvarez fight coming up this weekend. We're going to give you our week two predictions. We're going to lay some picks on the line. we got four NFL games, three college games that we're going to pick this week to give you that uh, lucky seven. Uh, then, you know, we're going to, we're going to talk about some uh, some college football, early Heisman party crashes. There's some under-the-radar cats who stepped up, and they're not so under-the-radar anymore. Um, so we're going to get into that, uh, talk about the Jadavian Clowney criticism. Uh of course, you can't talk college football without getting into Johnny football. We're going to talk a little Alabama A&M. So we got a lot in store for you. We're going to dig dig into week one, talk about a little bit. We're going to, and, and if we get time, if we get time, we're going to have a, a great debate here, all right? We're going to get into T-Mac and, and why T-Mac should be an NBA Hall of Famer, all right? And I, I'm, going to present the, I'm going to present the case, and then the fellas or – I'm sure D. Wills is going to cross-examine me. I don't, we, I'm not sure where PAD stands on this, on this yet. You know, he's a wild card. So right. we, we're going to get into that um, as we get into things. Fellas, 
the anticipation. I haven't felt this much anticipation around a potential fight in a long time. Um, you know, this feels like what I thought Pacquiao Mayweather would feel like with uh, Mayweather and Canelo getting ready to get after it. Um, I plan on buying a fight, um, having a few folks over, you know, watching, having some adult beverages, and, and, and enjoying ourselves. Um, you got any plans for the fight, PhD? You got plans for the fight? I do. I'll be hanging out with my man Javier Marcano in Olmstead Falls, Ohio, taking it in. He always does the best fight parties. Excellent. You get see, and, and that's the thing. You, and, and this is something. This is kind of like man code. In your crew, in your circle, you got to have a cat who's good at throwing a fight party. That's, that's right. like an essential. You know, it's kind of a he's that under the radar cat where people don't really know why you roll with him. Why he's in the crew. <laughs> Like, why are y'all friends? Man, this cat throws a great fight party. <laughs> so, you know, you you got to have that cat in your crew who, who is the is the go-to guy when it comes to that big game party or that big fight party. That's the guy you got to have on deck, ready. You know, you got to make sure you stay in his good graces at all times because, right. you know, when that, when that big fight gets made, you want to make sure he ain't leaving you off the list. You know, when you come over, you bring by a nice bottle of wine, and some quality, quality brew. You know what I'm saying? That way he can't have no complaints. You got him covered. You drink wine, I got I got a nice bottle, and I also bought quality brew. You can't be mad. Now, now are fight right? parties better? Are fight parties better if it is an all-fellas affair, or are they okay, you know, when you're bringing the spouses and significant others? You know, what is y'all preference? I'm, I'm going to let you I, I take that one. I, I tell you, I, I like I like when you to tell you the truth. I like when you have some ladies in there that love boxing. They bring in a whole new element to it. I, I grew up with a woman who loved boxing. Uh, who would do it? Mrs. Joan Berman. She loved boxing. She used to watch all the major fights growing up because she used to have it. It's back in the day we was on HBO. Everybody didn't have cable, and so we used to go over there to my center and she watched boxing with us. She was a teacher, so. But I've had fights where I love being there with people who like boxing. So I, I don't. I've had it both ways. I've had a great when you had women in there, like boxing, that adds no new element uh, to the action. The key is you got to have people who ain't afraid to talk. You know, you got you 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 know people who are trying to talk their fighter into doing the right thing, like they're the corner person. You got to have those cats in there, whether they're male or female. That's what adds value to the fight. You know, everybody got to go to the corner in between rings, but as they fight, we all yelling and saying something. You got people who are acting like they're, you know, uh, 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 roach or acting like they're one of the corner people actually uh, giving advice. So whether they're male or female, you got to have people who are going to add some comedy to the to the event. Yeah, you got to have folks that's going to dig in and get engaged. And me, myself, you know, I think it's apples and oranges when you compare the two. I don't mind having, you know, ladies at at the, at the fight party. Because um, I think they come in with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder too. They want to prove they know the game. They want to prove they know boxing. They want to prove that they're that they're as much of a fan. So they they're a little bit more confrontational than most of the cat, most of the guys that be in there. <laughs> you know, you got you got your Royce just coming in there, bumping the elbows. You know, trying to get in the mix. But but you know, and, and then when you have the dynamic where it's all fellas, you get a little bit of a different dynamic. You know, things can go a little bit locker roomish. But ain't nothing wrong with that. But I think, D. Wills, you hit it on the head when you said that the key is to a great fight party is that you have to have 
you have to have the uh, the two towers in the house. The two towers yeah. have to be fully represented. You know, both corners mm-hmm. have to be fully represented. And if it's too one-sided, it's all right. That could, You could still have a great fight party if everybody's rooting for the same cat. But the fight party is even better if you have folks on both sides. You know, because then that's where it gets a little intense. The intensity level rises. Folks get more engaged. So, you know, I'm looking forward to this fight. Again, this is probably going to be one of the bigger fights of the past five or six years. Um, it, it, I, it, there's an electricity about it that boxing, when boxing has that energy around it, it is a, it is a great sport to watch. It is a great sport to partake in. So I'm excited, man. I can't wait. I know you have your own thoughts about it. I'm going to let you let's share some of those thoughts a little bit. Well, you know, um, uh, and, and we'll have a, a real good opportunity to uh, talk to Doug here in a few minutes about it, but um, this is, you know, uh, Floyd's greatest challenge he's probably faced in a long time. This is a young man that knows how to fight, is patient. He has a great combination between boxing and power, but it's something about Floyd that makes young cats go away from the game, even when they're good. They look great against other people, but there's something about Floyd, and Floyd is used to the moment. And so, um, you know, I'm, 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 I'm not going to make my prediction yet because uh, I'm going I'm I'm to get into it with Doug about it. But I think this is going to be Floyd's – this is going to test Floyd. And I think this is part of Floyd's journey to secure his legacy. That's why he's taking on these cats. That I, I believe that he is, he is like you know I, I got about you know five more things in the tank, and I'm going to use all five of these in a way that I'm going to maximize. Uh, and when I leave, I'm gonna leave all the chips on the table. He dropped in like Jay Z, and if he gets this victory, this will in terms of stamping his legacy in a way that people can't make because this is this is the this is probably his biggest challenge in terms of power a young cat who can think the game, a young cat who got stamina, a person who is not scared. And so if he can win this, this is going to put Floyd at such a different level, it's going to be crazy. And so as we, we transition there, you know, we, we got normal fam that comes see us. We call them fam. When they come see us more than twice, three times, now they fam. And we have a very special guest with us uh, tonight. Uh, he is really one of the top boxing journalists in the game. Uh, he is the uh, uh, associate editor of the Ring Magazine, which is the Bible of boxing. You know, I've been I read Ring Magazine all my life growing up. It's where I I got my information about boxing. I remember we used to sit down and get the fresh ring and, and figure out what's going on in the game. Uh, he's also the editor of RingTV.com. He's he's a friend of uh, of our show and fam, Doug Fisher. How you doing, Doug? Welcome. Hey fellas, hey family. Thank you. That's that's quite an intro. I appreciate it. I really do. Man, I was thinking about you the other day. I was watching All Access, and I'm like, I wonder what Doug is thinking about this. <laughs> this fight feels like I remember. I'm gonna say this, Doug, when we're in the fight. So I remember I grew up in Ann Arbor, and at right. the Michigan Ann Arbor, Michigan, at, at the Michigan Theater, that's where they showed um, the uh, uh, Thomas Hearns. And uh, the Leonard fight, the first one, and the first one, and so wow. they the, we, they sold the closed circuit or whatever you can because we couldn't you had money you can right. you can watch it but that's what we watched it right. yeah. yeah so what we did so we 
we uh, were up next to the exit of the door, and then we heard this stampede running out of the theater because, you know, the fight ended in what, but, uh, I mean, it ended in a pretty quick kind of a session. And so we remember having that kind of, and, and the fight game was so big, the anticipation oh, yeah. of a fight was so big. And this fight feels like, for some reason, feels like that fight. It's like, you know, that Durant Leonard type of fight. Right. People in the boxing game, how are y'all feeling about this fight? Before we get to your predictions, because you got right. some explaining to do. Uh, well, I was watching yeah. some of your video, and right? we got some explaining to do. We'll talk about okay. that. But how are the people in the fight game feeling about this? You know, they're 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 very excited about it, and um, they're pleasantly surprised. Some of the veterans, some of the the people who've been around boxing for twenty and thirty years, and all of them agree. Uh, at different stages of this promotion, that it has been uh, the most popular hyping and promotion and build-up to a so-called super fight in decades. And uh, I'm not even talking about people who are directly involved with the promotions, like anybody from Golden Boy or, or Mayweather Promotions or even Showtime. I'm talking about uh, you know uh, PR people um, who are for hire, um, the people who have to handle the media credentials and the media requests, you know, people who were involved in coordinating, sort of site coordination for that 11-city tour that they did um, mm-hmm. across America and also in Mexico City. Um, the turnout that they received and uh, the fanfare that they got from fans on every step of the way, every press conference, um, every sort of public appearance of these fighters during that press tour, um, it it's a, they'd never seen that much of uh, a demand for the fighters. They'd never seen that much public attention um, and that much media. Because they didn't like, you know, for uh, here in Los Angeles, which was the final leg of the press conference, media uh, arrived. It was like a nighttime press conference out in public. All of them mm. were out in public. And um, the media arrived like four and five hours early. And there was a line in this uh, fancy hotel, uh, the JW Marriott, and it literally went from like, um, you know, a um, I think the the the, the media check-in tables were outside of a ballroom, um, and the line for the media went out of the ballroom and all the way down this hall and all the way down like two stories, you know, two flights of stairs, and out of the uh, out of the hotel. And wow. veteran PR guys who go all the way back to, you know, like the thrill in Manila and the rumble in the jungle, mm-hmm. you know, 1970s and the Muhammad Ali circus and the, the, the days of young George Foreman and, and Joe Frazier. And they say they've never seen anything like that. So that's all a good indication. Um, and it, from what I am hearing from the people who are directly involved with the promotion of the fight and the broadcast, of course, the folks with, with Showtime, uh, the folks with Golden Boy Promotions, is that every every indication tells them that if they don't actually break the the all-time pay-per-view event record, which is like um, a, just under two and a half million pay-per-view buys that mm. Mayweather did with Oscar De La Hoya in 2007, um, they're very confident that it will surpass the uh, the all-time growth. You know how much money it it it, it uh, the pay-per-view event uh, generates. So maybe it, maybe it doesn't go over 2.4 million pay-per-view buys, but they're thinking it's going to do over 140 million in in gross revenue on that night, which is um, incredible. And it's already it already set like a record, um, I think a Nevada State record for a live gate. 
It sold out in like 24 hours, and I don't know what it was, like 19 million or something. Um, you know, all of the tickets sold for the MGM Grand Garden Arena in, in Vegas. So, it's the indications are great. It's um, it was the best fight out there um, for for Floyd Mayweather, an undefeated guy, uh, a young guy, somebody who has that charisma, the kind of charisma that you can't really explain. Just for for whatever reason, Canelo resonates with certain demographics, obviously. Mexican fans, where he's been groomed for stardom, even celebrity, you know, going back to when he was 17 and 18 years old. Um, you know, he he had a, an exclusive deal with Televisa, which is the largest um, terrestrial television network in, in Mexico. And so he people were watching him develop on television the way people, you know, boxing fans and, and casual sports fans in America were watching Sugar Ray Leonard on ABC, right out of the Olympics, yeah. fighting on network television in the way a lot of boxing stars of previous decades were built into legitimate sports superstars on national television, you know, not on basic cable, not on, you know, premium cable the way it is now. So he had a huge fan base when he came over to America, I, and I, I think he surprised people, you know, uh, even within his own promotional stable with the amount of people that he, were able, he was able to um, – draw to his fights that took place in Southern California and in Texas um, because he was fighting guys who didn't have big fan bases themselves. So it was, you know, the people who paid, you know, the 11 or 12,000 that paid to see him fight Ricky Hatton's little brother um, in Anaheim two and a half years ago, nobody was there to see Matthew Hatton. They didn't know who Matthew Hatton was, but they were all there to see this redheaded Mexican. And and it's kind of hard to explain because he's mm-hmm. not like a super talent. It's not like he's Roy Jones Jr., you know what I mean? He's not like that kind yeah, yeah. of awesome talent. And it's not like he's the kind of personality where he's cracking jokes and he's funny or whatever. And He's not a bad-looking young man, but he's not like matinee idol look either. But there's mm-hmm. something about him, for whatever reason, it resonates with Mexican fans. It resonates with female fans. Um, and it's beginning to resonate pretty strongly with, Mexican-American fans, and depending on how well he does, you know, in the ultimate litmus test against, uh, you know, the pound-for-pound king Floyd Mayweather, the biggest American star, um, that'll tell us how well he's going to resonate with uh, an American audience. Um, But but having just turned 23, uh, that was just in in July, um, you know, his future's bright. Win, lose, or draw against Mayweather as long as he's competitive, as long as he doesn't embarrass himself. And you guys all know, I, I more than give – when the fight was first announced, I gave him a good shot. But the more video, I've gone back and watched the kid. And, and I went back and watched stuff from when he was 17 and 18 years old. Um, fights that I'd even seen. I'd, I'd sat there live and watched them. And I remember not thinking very much, but I had a certain idea in my head about how he fought. And I was wrong. I went back and I, and I watched, you know, video, whether on YouTube or, you know, you know, DVDs that I get from fight collectors. And um, I think somebody was saying, you know, who, who, who was it that said Canelo was Mayweather's biggest test in a long time and that this fight's about uh, Mayweather securing his legacy? Who said that? I, I actually said that. And, and, and I think that um, I think this is his, uh, his uh, biggest fight uh, because this is a young man that has all the tools and I agree with you. Doesn't appear, doesn't appear to be shook. I mean, I think who's who, who's talking right now? Who's talking? Uh, this is Devon. So oh, Devon, this is Devon. I, Devon, yeah. I agree with you 100. Um, percent Alvarez 
And, and you know, mind you, I mean, I I saw him when he fought. I saw him live when he fought in America the first time. He was he, as soon as he turned 18. You know, he was legal to fight in the state of California. Um, and he fought a guy named Larry Mosley, uh, mm. who didn't never really panned out as uh, a professional fighter because he wasn't disciplined. But he was one of the best amateur fighters around in many years, and somebody who literally grew up in Southern California gyms. And just like Shane Mosley, somebody who had been fighting that Mexican style his whole life. So he was somebody who had like, you know, 250-plus amateur bouts. He was a two-time national amateur champ. He uh, got a silver medal in the Goodwill Games. So he, as an amateur, he was somebody who was ranked internationally. And uh, I knew that he was dangerous in this fight because he was actually taking this fight seriously. I knew from just the gym scene out here that he was going to the gym and he was doing what he, he was supposed to do as a professional. So I thought the chances were good for this, you know, young supposed star out of Mexico to get upset. And honestly, I thought the fight could have gone either way. I thought a draw would have been fair. Um, you know, Canelo won the fight. Um, I think on my card, at, after 10 rounds, I had it six rounds for Canelo, four rounds for, for Mosley, but it could have easily been a draw or six rounds for Mosley, uh, four rounds for Canelo. But in my mind, I was thinking he just overpowered Mosley, that he just he was just the stronger guy, the bigger guy. But when I went back and watched the fight, he was boxing. He was doing a lot of the same stuff that he did against Shane Mosley, that he did against Austin Trout. Um, he just wasn't as polished then, obviously, as he is now, as he is at, at 22 and 23. But, Devon, you're absolutely right. He's somebody who has an answer for different styles in the ring and for uh, different challenges that are going to come up in the ring, particularly against a, a veteran as talented um, and experienced as, as Floyd Mayweather. You listen to the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com. Uh, we're on with associate editor of The Ring Magazine and editor of ringtv.com, uh, Doug Fisher, who is one of the uh, main journalists, leading journalists. I know he doesn't like to say this because of the uh, respect he has for his colleagues, but Doug is everywhere in boxing is in a friend of the program here to get us all ready for this mega fight. And it feels like more than a mega fight. This is the kind of fight that that you start seeing the real stars showing up. You know? Right. You might mess around. You know, this is where everybody's putting on their nice clothes and, and coming up in there. You know, Jay Z. Even the celebrities, row. even the celebrities are saying, "I'll pay for a ticket if I have to," because <laughs> it, it's so hard to get a ticket. You know, actually in the arena. I mean, literally, there's going to be fifty, maybe sixty thousand people on September 14 in mm. Las Vegas um, watching the fight. But most of those people, obviously, are going to be watching it closed circuit. You know, mm -hmm. different uh, theaters inside uh, MGM Grand and Mandalay Bay and New York, New York, and other MGM uh, properties there in Vegas. So um, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be completely let's, crazy this weekend. So, so I know you, I know how you feel. I, I watched and saw your prediction, but let's let's start with each fighter and right. let you let's talk about the things that you think each of them need to do to be successful in this fight before we get to why you think one fighter is going to win or the right. other. But let's just kind of break down each fighter and what they need to do well in this fight to win. Let's start with, um, let's start with Canelo and then come to Mayweather. Okay. Yeah. To, to me, Canelo has to fight his fight. I think the biggest mistake that Mayweather opponents make is they change their ring identity, which tells me 
Mayweather may not be Mike Tyson in terms of physical intimidation, but he intimidates them, his opponents, no matter how experienced, he intimidates them on a psychological level. They begin to doubt their own effectiveness. They begin to doubt their own technique and their own style because a lot of guys try to change what they normally do when they face him. An example, Oscar De La Hoya being more of a pressure fighter and somebody who's, who's part of his tactics against Mayweather was to push him against the ropes and try to work his body and just try to outwork him to be a volume puncher when that was never what Oscar De La Hoya did best. Oscar De La Hoya, in his prime, at his best, he was somebody who was on his toes, he was standing up straight, and he was working his jab. And his whole game was about keeping a a fighter on the outside with his jab and then countering with a a power punch. You know, in his prime as a a, a lightweight and a junior welterweight, and when he first stepped up to, to, to welterweight, he would hurt his opponent with that, that power counter shot. And then, he, you know, usually he was a pretty good uh, finisher. But he was a boxer. He was somebody on his toes, and his best punch was his jab. Now, his best punch in the Mayweather fight was his jab, but he was only able to utilize that jab for half a fight because he completely ran out of gas. Now, part of that was age. In 2007, you know, De La Hoya was probably five or six years removed from his athletic prime. But the other half of that equation is that he was not fighting his fight. He is not used to being a pressure fighter. He's not used to muscling guys, coming forward and bullying guys against the ropes like he was trying to do against Mayweather and trying to work the body like he was trying to. He really wasn't effective. I and mean, he won some rounds just on activity, you know, on, on, on the judges' scorecards. But he really was not that effective. And really after six or seven rounds, he was out of gas to where he really couldn't do anything. Even if he wanted to just back off and try to out-jab Mayweather, he didn't have uh, the stamina to do it, and Floyd took over. And I thought Floyd won that fight pretty handily. I thought eight rounds to four. I thought Floyd beat Oscar De La Hoya. Another thing, Shane Mosley, power boxer, right? He's a boxer puncher. He's a slugger <laughs> at heart. He's somebody, you know, Mosley at his best. He's knocking guys out, or he's outworking guys. Against uh, Mayweather, he wanted to be a boxer. Even when he hurt him in that second round, it was like he, oh, did I did I do that? You know, he mm-hmm. didn't jump on him. He he stayed on the outside. He was, mm-hmm. you know, you have Shane fighting the way Oscar should have fought. Shane's bouncing around on his toes and throwing a jab out. Well, Shane's never been a jab master. He's never been a sharp technician. He's never been an outside fighter. Mosley at his best, he's really he's, he's a boxer puncher or a slugger, if you will. But Mayweather gets in these guys' heads to where they want to fight a certain way. And way too many guys figure, well, you know, Jose Luis Castillo back in 2002 as a lightweight pressured, you know, got uh, Mayweather against the ropes and he worked his body. Mm -hmm. He came closer to beating Mayweather than anyone. So they think, well, I'm going to try to do what he did. But that's, that's Castillo's game. The way Castillo fought Mayweather was the same way he fought Joel Casamayor and Julio mm-hmm. Diaz and Juan Lascano and Stevie Johnson and everybody else he ever fought. That's just who he was. And I think when, when fighting Mayweather, you have to be who you are. Your game is either good enough to beat him or compete with him, or it isn't. And I think Canelo's the kind of person, he does, he does a little bit of everything in the ring. He doesn't have a set ring identity, which I think is a plus 
And I think he needs to, to hold on to that because there's a lot of people whispering in his ears saying, you got to go to his body. you got to commit to the body. you got to take it to him. you got to jump on him quick. Your only window was in the first three rounds. you gotta, you got to hurt him early and all that. If he lets those people get in his head and he tries to do that, I think he plays right into Mayweather's hands because Mayweather's been fighting aggressive uh, fighters, guys who come forward, pressure fighters his whole career. He's used to it. If you take a highlighter, if you print out Floyd Mayweather's record and you highlight aggressive fighters or fighters who stand in front of you, I'm going to say probably 80 85% of the, fe- the fighters he's faced. And, I'm, and most of these guys were top ten contenders and world title holders in their own right. I'm not saying they, were, they weren't quality fighters. But most of them fall into the same kind of category, which is an aggressive come-forward fighter or uh, you know, a plotter who can punch. Somebody like Corrales, you know. A dangerous fighter because he could punch, but also somebody who just stands right there. He plods. He doesn't cut the ring off. He's just, you know, he's looking to whack you out. He's looking for that one punch. Mayweather's used to that, and Mayweather will all. Mayweather's a natural counterpuncher, so he's always going to master pure aggression. What I like about Canelo and Devon, you said this yourself. He's patient. He knows when to press, but he also knows when to back off. He knows when to, to, to blast a jab. He knows when to counterpunch. He knows when to throw combinations. And he, he has a, uh, I think Larry Merchant said this once about Canelo. He has good command of the ring, and he figures out what to do. So he does a little bit of everything, and I think he needs to take that mentality. It's not really a, a style or, or strategy or tactics. It's really a mindset that's the most important thing for Canelo. He needs to go into that ring, and he needs to be himself, and he needs to be smart. Now, in terms of Mayweather, what do you... Floyd has to to work his jab because Canelo's mm -hmm. got a good jab, but his jab is not consistent. You probably noticed this. Mm -hmm. It's a shotgun jab when he uses it. Mm -hmm. He rarely doubles up on it, and he doesn't just use it over and over again. Um, I think, you know, everyone knows that Canelo fights in bursts, and I think that's one of the reasons why they were divergent scorecards within the media and among fans with his fight with Austin Trout. Because even though he was landing the cleaner, harder punches against Trout, Trout was outworking him in every round, mainly with his jab. So with a close round, you say, well, you know, I think Trout got that because he outworked him. You know, while other people were saying, well, no, Canelo landed that nice clean uppercut and it was hard or whatever, it made a louder noise or what have you. But the bottom line is Canelo fights in spots, and fighters who fight in little bursts, they can be outworked by a more consistent boxer, mainly a boxer who operates from a distance using his jab. And I think, personally, Mayweather has the best jab in boxing. It's the most um, technically perfect jab. He does everything, his, his mechanics in delivering the jab, I think, is out of a textbook. So I think the jab is um, the first key to victory. I think Sustaining as little um, punishment as possible over the first half of the fight is going to be imperative for Mayweather. Um, Even if Canelo looks like he might be an open target, I don't think Floyd should get greedy. And I think with his father in his corner, his father's you know a defensive specialist, and he doesn't like fighters to go go buck wild early. Um, He likes fighters to be patient. Um, I think Mayweather has to be patient, just like Canelo does. And uh, even if Canelo looks like an inviting target. You don't want to trade with a fighter who's bigger than you and punches harder than you. Um, so I, I would say May, Mayweather needs to um, limit his exchanges and the amount of punishment he takes to his arms or shoulders or whatever, or body, 
in the first half of the fight, wait for Canelo to, um, you know, run out of gas or slow down a little bit. And Canelo does uh, over a, a 10 or, or 12 round fight. Um, his activity does drop off in the later rounds, and I think it's up to Mayweather to, to not so much press him, but to up his uh, offense gradually uh, from rounds six through twelve. And I think that's that's how Mayweather will beat the the, the younger, bigger, stronger man. You listen to the Real Sports Guys, RealSportsGuys.com. This is D. Wilson. I'm on with uh, the the great. Uh, editor, associate editor from the Ring Magazine, which is you know my magazine growing up uh, when I was uh, look, looking at boxing as a boxing fan, uh, and editor uh, of the RingTV.com. Um, just an incredible person. If you're listening, the knowledge is uh, incredible. And so we get to this. We get to the decision time. Right. We get to your prediction. Ah. Which, well, I'm in the. You know, I'm in the minority, but I. Uh, yeah, first, I, I, want, I, want, say, I want to hear. I want to hear yeah. what you got first, to say. First, Go I want to say, if you there. if you buy this the the issue of the ring that hit newsstands, I think uh, one and a half or two weeks ago, it's the October issue, and it's mm-hmm. got a beautiful. It's got a yellow background, and it's a beautiful um, painting mm-hmm. of Mayweather mm-hmm. and Canelo going, you know, nose to nose, face to face. Done by a, a, a brilliant boxing artist named Richard Sloan. If you purchase this magazine, and it's a collector's item, folks, um, mm-hmm. I have an article in there, a head-to-head analysis. My prediction in that head-to-head analysis is Mayweather by decision. Now I'm not waffling. It's just when the fight was first made, I was thinking Canelo was maybe a fight or two away from being ready for Mayweather. I thought what he showed us in the Trout fight let us know. Hey, he really is a world-class junior middleweight, and he really does have an all-around game. This kid really can box as well as he can slug it out and drop combinations. Um, but he still needs another, you know, another few 12-rounders against, you know, fighters the caliber or at least close to the caliber of an Austin Trout before he steps in with Mr. Pound for Pound. Um, so when I was asked to write that article, it was like, I don't know, two months ago. It was n- not long after the fight was first uh, announced, maybe three months ago. So that was my initial thought, is that it's, Canelo is close, but he's not quite there. He's not quite ready. You know, he just turned 23. There's a lot more seasoning that a young man needs before stepping in there with, uh, you know, a future Hall of Famer like Mayweather. But then, over the last couple of months, I've been looking at tape. I've been, you know, with both guys, with Mayweather, um, but especially with Canelo. I wanted to go back as far as I could and really looking at his record and looking at the way he's been developed, um, but most importantly, looking at key fights when he's in against boxers, like against a a Larry Mosley or an Austin Trout or even, you know, an old warhorse like Sugar Shane Mosley. I really liked his composure. I really liked the fact that, he does a little bit of everything. He does whatever he has to win, and, and sometimes he, he doesn't win pretty. Sometimes um, he's gotten the benefit of a, of a quick stoppage, as he did against Alfonso Gomez. But one thing I've noticed, he's always working a little bit of everything, and the little things that he does, the counter-punching, the quick right hand, the quick uppercut, throwing a right hand to the chest rather than to the head, having a, a, a hard shotgun jab, not leaning forward when he lets his hands go not lunging and smothering his own punches when he hurts a guy against the ropes, showing the ability to fight off the ropes himself, showing some defensive ability, which has gotten much better recently, as he showed in the trout fight. 
I added it all up, and I said to myself, you know, even with the all-around game Canelo has, I wouldn't give him a shot against Mayweather if he was a welterweight. But they're not fighting at welterweight. They're fighting above 147 pounds, and I really do believe that over 147 pounds, Mayweather loses just a little bit, just a little something off his fastball, just a little bit off the reflexes, maybe not as quick. And the way I see this is if the young man doesn't drain himself making a 152-pound catch weight, we have a natural welterweight against a natural middleweight on September 14. And that's really that was kind of the thing that swayed me from a close decision for Mayweather to a close decision for Canelo. Now, because I like Canelo by decision, that doesn't mean I think Canelo's going to outbox Mayweather in the majority of rounds. I think maybe some rounds he's going to win the round because he shakes Mayweather, because his punches take more effect than Mayweather's punches do. Or maybe in some of the early rounds he might outwork Mayweather in those rounds. But I'm thinking a knockdown is possible, and I'm definitely thinking there's going to be some, if not outright, uh, wobbly moments like Mayweather uh, suffered against uh, Mayweather. Um, I'm thinking he's going to get knocked around, maybe manhandled a little bit, particularly if Mayweather's uh, key to shutting Canelo down in close is to try to hold on to the young man. I don't think he can tie up Canelo as effectively as he tied up Robert Guerrero. I think that might work against him. So I'm, size is definitely a factor in my, my ultimate analysis and my ultimate prediction. But I like Canelo by a close decision. Well, folks, you heard it. You heard it here. <laughs> send all hate mail. Send all hate mail to Dougie Fisher at yahoo.com or dfisher at ringtv.com, or go to my Twitter account uh, at Dougie Fisher and shoot it my way. I've I've, I've heard it all before. I'm in the minority here. I'm in. I'm in most. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm thinking yeah. like 90 percent of the media. Is you know uh, is going with uh, the chalk, you know, going with the uh, the odds favorite Floyd Mayweather, and, and I'll say this: Mayweather deserves to be the favorite. Um, you know, this is you know when you anytime you're going to pick uh, a, a three to one uh, underdog or whatever, you're going out on a limb a little bit. You know, it is kind of a gut pick, but that's what my gut is telling me this time. Well, well, well that's why you are who you are, and uh, we appreciate it. And uh wanted to say, you know, uh, thank you for hit, being on with us tonight. We look Thanks forward for to, me. you know, get, getting you back on, following the fight uh, at some point in the next few weeks. Um, you know, uh, we show you a lot of love, and uh, I know that our listeners enjoy it. We get great downloads when you're here. Uh, we appreciate it. Have a good time. Enjoy uh, the fight. And um, I look forward to uh, going back and forth with you on Twitter. Take care. Absolutely. Take care, guys. All right. Well, I'm going to bring welcome back uh, the game changer with me to to, to to kind of get his thoughts on what he heard um, to uh, uh, to what uh, Doug talked about. Doug, I mean, broke it down as to why he's the best in the game. Um, what do you think, game manager? Man, you know, he is in the minority. Um, yes, you know uh, that's a bold prediction that he's making, um, and for me, I just I, I, I'm going chalk, but I'm going chalk because I've gone the other way before, and it just hasn't worked out. <laughs> I mean, I've gone against Floyd before, and you keep waiting on Floyd to lose, but Floyd just has <laughs> Floyd has written such a large check with his mouth that his work ethic. 
will not allow him to – his ego and his work ethic will not allow him to fail. And I just can't bet against this dude anymore, man. I, I've, I've gone the other way quite a few times, and I just cannot bring myself to go against Floyd anymore. Doug has some great points. He has some great points, but I'm at a point where I just – I've got it. I, I, I gotta go with Floyd. I just do, man. I don't know. Uh, I can't. I can't. I can't. I like Canelo. I like what he's bringing to the table. I, I like that Floyd stuck his neck out there and got a fight that people wanted to see. I still think Floyd never. I don't think Floyd fights people he he thinks he he thinks can beat him. I don't think he fights people that when he watches them fight on tape, they take advantage of his weaknesses. <laughs> I don't think he ever fights those guys. So I think he fights guys who he feels he has an advantage over already. So, you know, if he walks like a duck and talks like a duck and it's time to fight like a duck, <laughs> might be a duck. Uh, so, yeah, man, I'm, I'm going with Floyd. Uh, how, 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 do you, how do you feel about his prediction? I think he broke it down. It makes all the reason in the world. But the one thing he said and why, you know, it's kind of like, you know, on a, yeah, I would say on these standardized tests, best thing to do is go with your gut feeling, your first gut feeling. If you think about what he said when he made his prediction in the Ring Magazine, which is which is a classic, it's a collector's item. Make sure I go out and get it. You know, I think I'm going to go get it. I think it's going to be a great fight. But what he said is that all these great fighters come in and something Floyd makes them go away from the game plan. And you got to say, what is that? Like, what is that? All these guys come in with these plans, and it's something that happens in the first couple rounds that he loves them to sleep, it makes them go away from the game plan, and then he just controls the fight. And if there's anyone who can actually maybe counter that, it's Canelo because he's got a kind of. If you watch him, he's got a kind of. He got he got a he's got a control craziness to him. You can tell he's a cat that is not afraid of things. And you want to see how that holds up. But I, I'm like you. It's, it's something about Floyd. I don't think Floyd's ready to lose. I think Floyd made his mind up. I got five fights to do, and I'm going to make these count. And the one thing about yeah, Floyd he's is he's never, out. yeah, he said I'm, I've ne- he's never out of shape. He's constantly staying on his game. And so I always said, you know, I said, I said, don't watch his mouth, watch his actions. How many people follow right. his mouth? What I do is, I, if you turn the volume off and then watch him, turn the volume off and watch all access, and tell me what you see. It's a different thing. And so it's funny you said, now I know the missus ain't coming over because she's mad. <laughs> she might not come over. Oh, I know she's you. Canelo all the way. She's Canelo, Canelo. all the way. <laughs> <laughs> she's going to be sitting there speaking in Spanish the entire stage. That's how proud she is that Floyd. For the whole fight, she might not say anything in English just to say this is a Floyd. I'm not going to do it. But, but, the, but I just... With all the things he said, which makes sense, the one thing you can't teach is being able to handle the moment because there's nothing like a mega fight moment. And there's Floyd has lived in these events. And I right. think sometimes yeah. the lights shrink guys. Great guys shrink under these kind of lights. These are like these are not the kind of lights you know you in a historical moment, and the lights are much different than any other fight he does. And this is where Floyd lives. And so he's comfortable yeah. in this moment. I think that's part of how he gets control is because it takes people a while to adjust. By the time they adjust, he's already figuring things out. And the other thing is that he doesn't 
He doesn't come with a game plan. He's like the John Wooden of boxing that he forces you to follow his game plan. He don't study you. You got to study him. And he's like John Wooden. And that's how John Wooden used to coach. People used to say, well, did you watch the film? No, we do what we do. And we make people play the way we want them to play. And I think he does that in boxing. I don't know if this is the moment. If there's anybody who's going to beat him, it's this kid. I just don't think it's going to happen. As much as I can say it, something tells me, like you said, he found something in this kid that none of us are seeing with our eyes that he sees, and he's going to exploit. That's yeah. <laughs> and I, 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 just, I just don't feel like he ever signs up to fight a dude that he thinks. And part of it is, of course, he doesn't think the guy can beat him, but I think he, he sees something in this guy that says, you know what, there's no way this dude is beating me. Because he does, and not because I just think he's not going to beat me, but because he does X, Y, and Z as a boxer. And boxers who do X, Y, and Z cannot beat me. That's right. Because of my style, because of my my tactical, because of what I do tactically. I think that's how Floyd approaches picking his opponents. Yeah. And I think you're absolutely right about how he lives in these moments. Yeah. He creates moments in the moment. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. You know, when he knocks out Ortiz. That was a moment in the moment. Like, he, he seizes those opportunities. He, he's like Neo in the Matrix when it comes to a big fight. You know, he's not seeing an opponent. He's seeing green numbers. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's all he's seeing is green numbers. You know what I mean? Right. And he's manipulating the moment. And he's creating a spectacle while still winning a fight. And he's become a master at that. And I just can't go against the dude no more. <laughs> he's going to prove I really wrong. Exactly, exactly. You know, at this point, you know, I, I'm not going to fight common sense at this point. And Floyd Mayweather winning fights is common sense. <laughs> See, this is what I love about in the country where it's not, but where I'm from, you just can't, you can't fight that. <laughs> this is why I love the game changer. Because you ain't going to, you said, fool me once. <laughs> Exactly. You like you, you'll give me a third time. I don't give you that. Nah, nah, I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm with you. I got you. I got you. I got the point. You're good. You're real good. You're real, real good. And I shouldn't have never doubted you. And you were right. And now I'm going to stop doubting you. You know what I mean? I can, I can eat crow, man. I can eat crow with the best of them. You know, I, I go out on a limb. I speak my mind. You know, and if I'm wrong, I can own it. I can own it. So you're listening to the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, RSG, Renegade Radio. We are going to transition right now into the funky editorial. This week we're going to talk about RG3 and his return to the NFL, give you the RSG reviews of RG3's first game coming back. Try to say that three times fast. Fellas, only one thing we need to say. Shall we say it, y'all? Melvin, Jimmy, Coleman, Ryan. Set. Yeah. Everybody want to get funky one more time. All right, this week's edition of Funky Editorial, we are going to talk about RG3's return to the field. Now, dear Wills, you watched the game last night. No preseason mm-hmm. action for RG3. The media made a big deal about it, uh, trying to create some sort of rift between him and Shanahan. Got off to a rocky start. What were you thinking as you watched that first half of the Eagles-Redskins week one game last night, Monday Night Football? Uh, you know, I just thought it was timing. You know, I thought that he struggled with timing. Um, I, I think the other thing is um, 
you know, he's got to continue to, you know, play with the play in that pocket and play for that pocket. Uh, but it just it was a timing thing. It just seemed like you know they they're bumping dogs, people doing it. They seemed to sharpen up a little bit second half. But it was a timing issue. It took him a half to kind of get where he's going to go. Now I think he's going to be all right. I just think the the skins are going to have Washington's going to have some struggles as a team trying to catch it. And but I, I just think that it was it was timing. You know sometimes when the lights come on, it gets fast. Um, and I also think the Eagles created a pace that, you know, it would be different if they would have played a different team. But I think the Eagles created a pace early on that even though they like to play fast, I think, in Washington, it was probably faster than they needed to do given that he didn't have any kind of preseason preparation for it. So I think it was timing. I think he'll get better. Um, but I also think that he's got to understand that all press ain't good press. And he's got to focus. He's got to get away from some of these external things and 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 some of that, you know, even the pregame thing where he was kind of kneeling down, looking up, you know, kind of, you know, all this stuff that looked like they were trying to prep for filming of a commercial, like the I'm Back commercial. Some of that stuff he got to taper a little bit and try to settle in a, a little bit. The riff, you know, I think it's the thing between stars and coaches. I think he and Shanahan, you know, will are working through that. I think some of that's just regular football locker room stuff. But you can tell in that first half, timing issues, you know, they had problems with the running game on the pitch, play with the fumble, you know. So it wasn't just him. I think offensively they had some timing issues. Yeah, I got to totally agree with you on that. You know, watching, it was just like, you know, as much as cats whine and moan about the preseason, um, reps are reps, man. <laughs> you know, reps are reps, and you need reps, you know, to – live reps, as close to live reps as you can get, to get that rhythm. You know, I, I tell folks all the time, you know, the kids that I coach, as a coach, I tell kids, football is like classical music. It's beautiful. It's structured. Um, but the structure and the beauty work together, you know. And so the structure allows for, you know, the variance in, in melody and, and pitch and all these other musical things that need to happen in classical music. Basketball is like jazz. You know, jazz, you can get five cats together. You know, as long as they know how to play, they can, they, they, somebody sets the tone, you get, you know, you get the rhythm section to keep the beat. And then from there, it's a lot of improvisation, you know, with somebody keeping time. Whereas football, you got to get an orchestra together, and, and, and they need a director. You know, they need to be directed with, with class, the classical music needs, needs direction. And if one section is off, then it throws off the whole piece. The whole piece doesn't doesn't sound the same, and you don't get the same full effect. And with RG3 last night, it just seemed like, you know, the horn section was off. You know, the French horn wasn't hitting the right notes. And that'll come with time. It's not a, that, that's something that, as a coach, that's something you can work through. You can fix that. That'll come with time. So, you know, the first half, you know, I think you're right with the Eagles, the pace that they played at. We're going to get into them later because we got to talk about Chip Kelly mania, um, that, that sweet Twitter and the Internet and, and all the news media. we got to talk about that. But RG3, I felt like, you know, and, and, again, this is me being, you know, fool me once, shame on me, fool me twice, or fool me once, yeah, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. We've seen this before, you know, and people, 
he had a great second half, and he picked it up quickly in the second half and started got got things going. But in that first half, you know, I'm re- I'm following the game, I'm watching the game live, following on Twitter, and everybody's dogging the Redskins, dogging RG3, and that's how we were with Peyton Manning last year. I was there, you know, that he had that Monday night game where he threw those three picks in the first half, and it looked like he he did not know how to throw a football. I mean, every pass he threw was a duck. And so we saw how that story ended, right? You know, there's nothing wrong with Peyton at all. <laughs> if you if you want to, if you don't believe me, you know, just watch, as Trinidad James says. Uh, just look at the stats, you know, seven touchdowns in a game, week one this year. The man is fine. So I think we have to give RG3 that same amount of time to relax and, and fall into the flow and get into the rhythm of things. And he did. He did in the second half. You know, what were your impressions of the second half of that game? Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, you know, it takes the team's half to try to get used to it. And I think the um, obviously the Skins defense played a little bit better for Washington's defense and, you know, got some turnovers, got them back in the game. RG was finding his timing, um, getting some stuff to Gosson, um, started to spread the ball around a little bit. They started getting it. I think that's one of the challenges Philadelphia is going to have is when you play that pace, being able to have the defense take pace with you to be a stop and, you know, avoiding those turnovers. So, you know, I think they got back in it. Philly obviously helped them a little bit to get back in it uh, with some uh, untimely uh, turnovers at times. But, you know, I think you saw more of what Washington is going to be. Um, and you saw a little bit of Philadelphia where they're going to have – they're going to get out and have some – they're going to have some – uh, to string some points and scoring together, but they're going to be times where they're going to stifle. And then, you know, their defense might have some lulls just because you got to find a way to get their defense also in sync with what your offense is doing. So, you know, but Vic, you know, Vic turned it around, um, uh, you know, did what he needed to do when he, you know, he had a, had a turnover or two here. But I, I mean, I think that's more of a, uh, you know, I think that's just for them getting ready. I, I liked what Philly did. And I like the way Washington kind of bounced back. But these are two good teams. I just think, that, you know, and, and they're in the division. I think that's up for grabs, you know, from what we've seen in the first, the first week. So I thought it was a good game. I thought they got better. Both teams got better in the second half a little bit. It got a little tighter, probably got more realistic in terms of where the talent base worked for both sides of those teams. But there's still some questions. And I'm not the kind of person that's going to make a lot of decisions on week one. A lot of growth will happen from week one to week two. And week two is going to tell us a little bit more about what teams really are going to be. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly on that. Um, the Eagles in, in this game, you know, again, everybody's talking about the revolutionary aspects of, of what Chip Kelly was doing. Um, and, man, I see seven seconds or less Mike D'Antoni. <laughs> That's all I see when I'm watching this game. I'm like, you, your own team can't even sustain this level of play, this pace, man. <laughs> he come out today talking about it's too slow. The, we was going too slow, man. Your cats, man. Third quarter hit, man. Them cats was like, man, you got some, you got a stunt. Can I get a stunt double? <laughs> Take a couple of snaps. <laughs> cats was done, man. Pac, you're back with us. What was your? Impressions 
from last night's Monday night Eagles Redskins tilt in regards to RG three, in regards to Kip Kelly's fast paced offense. You can you can go either way with that. The floor is yours. Well, the second you thought, um, seven seconds or less also came to my mind while I was watching the game. Great great book by the way, if you're out there listening and trying to figure out what's a good sports book to read. Excellent read. Uh, by Jack McCullum, get it on uh, Amazon for two or three bucks probably at this point. My analysis on RG3 would be brief. He looked fine. Yes, he had three turnovers, but he looked fine. A little bit of rust. You know, it's one of those situations where because we had him so high last year, we're expecting for him just to get even better. Uh, He might, but he didn't get any preseason snaps. He looked really good in the second half, in my opinion. Uh, I think it'll be fine. Now, in terms of the Eagles' offense, that man, that was fun to watch, man. You know, I mean, you you started talking about, you know, for me, it's the Oakland A's in the in the uh, in the early '90s, late '80s, when they had the Bash brothers and they had the power pitchers and and Eckersley and Stewart and you know you had Seiko and McGuire. I mean, Ricky Henderson doing his thing on the base paths and just being cocky. It was fun TV. It was entertainment, and that's what I got of watching the Eagles, man. You know, it's it's like the run and shoot when it first started. You know, and Miles Davis was was calling the plays for the Falcons or for the Lions. Uh, you know, thinking about the Oilers back on Tecmo Ball when they had a run and shoot offense. It it was just fun and play, man. And so I got excited watching it. I'm excited talking about it, and I'm you know my only question is is can Vic stay healthy for a whole season? Because he took some man. legs, man. He took some legs. <laughs> man, man, I have him in one of my fantasy leagues, bro. And last night, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but last night, every time, man, he started lifting, man, I was looking for trades. <laughs> I was like, man, I got to get this dude on my squad. I can't live like this. Yeah, so high. So I can't high. go through every game wondering if my quarterback's going to make it, man. <laughs> Right. I mean, I mean, you like the sponsor of a boxer. You just can't watch, you know? Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah, I'm watching this guy, man. Every time he got up, I'm like, okay, just get up. Just get up. All right, you nip it. Oh, come on, man. Come on. I'm, I'm searching, like, okay, who can I who can I move this cat to? <laughs> right now, I need to get this dude off my roster right now. I can't deal with it. I can't take it. My heart can't take it. So, yeah, I, I, I feel you on that, man. I feel you on that. You can continue with your point. That's it. That's it, man. I'm That's it. I'm just concerned about his health. I mean, this is this is picture perfect for a guy like J- Jackson, for a guy like Vic. <laughs> I mean, LaShawn McCoy, he might have a monster. Roger Craig, Marshall Falk type of season. I mean, this 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 guy yeah. might have hundred passes. He might run for twelve hundred yards. He might get fifteen twenty touchdowns. I think he's gonna be a monster this year. Yeah, and I think for me, where where I where I have a little trepidation about this style of offense, it's beautiful to watch. It was definitely entertaining and fun to watch, no doubt about it. How is it going to look in December in Philly outdoors? How is it going to look in December in New York outdoors? How is it going to look in D.C. outdoors in December when it's cold? Man, 50-some plays and a half getting hit that many times in the cold, brittle weather that they're going to feel in the Northeast, Ooh, I don't know, man. Any of those guys, because 
we know we're talking about slight guys. They're fast guys. They're guys with wiggle and explosiveness, but they're slight dudes. None of these dudes is a bruiser, and none of these guys are extremely durable either. When you talk about Jackson, when you talk about Vic, McCoy, none of these guys are necessarily durable dudes, and none of them are big dudes. You know, McCoy had almost 30 touches on the ground, handoffs. You know, he had about 20 in the first half. 20 touches for a lot of cats, that's a game's full, that's a game of work. That's a game's worth of work for a lot of running backs in the NFL today. He had that in the half. That's where my concern comes in is, is the style going to kill itself? You know, much in the same sense that when Peyton Manning, and that's just talking about the offense. That's not, even talk, that's not even talking about the defense, you know. Like, they got turnovers last night, but they were up and down. I mean, they were off the field really quick. And if the defense isn't getting three and outs, then you have the same effect that you had when Peyton Manning was with the Colts and they were scoring really quick. Or when you had the greatest show on turf with the Rams, when they scored a bunch of points real quick, the defense wasn't that good because they were always on the field. So there's going to be some attrition that takes place. What I would say, my initial impression from watching the Eagles do what they're doing under Chip Kelly is he has to build a deep roster. He has to be two to three deep at every position, even at quarterback. And they're good at yeah. – I think they're, they're solid at quarterback, but you got to be deep at every position because it's just too difficult at this level when the – at Oregon, most most nights they come on the field and the, the stratification between the talent between them and the other team is going to be significant. In the NFL, the difference between your talent level and the other team's talent and conditioning level is not that significant. And so, they, yeah, you're going to wear down their team, but you're wearing down your guys too. Your guys are playing in the same league and, and, and getting getting checked, signed by the same commission as they are. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's I don't I don't know if it's going it's going to work as well as as well as you hope. It's going to be entertaining though. It's going to be entertaining though. But it's going to be interesting to see. This ain't St. Louis in the dome. You know, this is Indianapolis in the dome where you can run this kind of a, a deal all season. When it gets cold, man, your muscles don't you, your muscles don't <laughs> they don't react the same way to a heat as they do when it's nice and warm outside. I'm just telling. That's just the truth. You guys are both football players. You know better than anybody. They still have to catch him, though. <laughs> you know. That's true. That's uh, true. <laughs> you still got to catch him, and nobody's as fast as they are. You know, in in September games, I, then they're going to be in November games in Philly. But the other team is going to be a step slower too. So I, uh, my see, my question is, how does this offense work with Foles? I have not watched Foles play a lot, but I get the sense that he. Well, I mean, nobody's as mobile as as Michael Vick, with the exception of one or two guys. But I see Foles as more of a drop back quarterback. I mean, how does you know, how does he do everything that Vic was doing? And and maybe the the easy answer to that is he doesn't. You know, right. you don't do the zone read as much, um, or if you do, you're handing it off more, and it's just more about quick-hitting stuff. But yep. when you have yeah, a guy I, like Michael Vic, it just makes it that much more dangerous. And I think what falls, it runs a lot like it runs with uh, Tom Brady. You know, he, he they basically took some of these principles from Oregon's offense to run their offense. And so, you know, Foles can run a little bit more, <laughs> obviously, than Brady. But I think it looks a little bit like 
like a Tom Brady offense, and you're going to probably see a little bit more Peachin' or McCoy uh, with it. Uh, but a person who can get downfield to grow. So it'll look more like New England. Yeah, I think it helps the defense out quite a bit if Foles is in there um, because the way Vic was throwing, um, I think it gives – it takes the defense off the hook for not having the account for the quarterback, where right now you pretty much have to shadow Michael Vick on every play. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that makes it hard to double, you know, to, to take – yeah, you know, you're at disadvantage for sure. It's definitely 10 on 10 at that point. So we'll, we'll see how everything keeps, continues to develop. If Chip Kelly and the Eagles, if this offense can keep rolling and they can keep keep it going and keep playing at this pace, you know, and, and it's just unbelievable that he thinks they're going too slow because I don't know if they <laughs> – like I said, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how this works out. Um, and RG3, I think he's going to keep progressing and he's going to get better. I'm in line with both of you guys with him. I think, you know, the first half he was a little rusty. Second half, same OG. You know, he, he was he was holding it down, doing his thing, brought his squad back, gave him a chance to win the football game after a rocky start. So, you're to the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, RSG, Renegade Radio. Now let's move into talking about NFL football. Let's get to the whole league, covering all of the action from week one. We're going to recap it real quick. So first, as we begin get into this recap, I want you guys to give me which teams, give me a couple of teams that impressed you in week one. I want D. Wills to start, and then after D. Wills is done, PSD, I want you to jump right in. So D. Wills, which teams impressed you in week one? Uh, I would say the the, the Detroit Lions. You know, everybody knows I'm, I grew up in Michigan, uh, but I am a Steelers fan. I couldn't be a Lions fan because it just frustrates you. But I, I, I think um, this first week performance, uh, the addition of Reggie Bush, uh, who uh, helped me win. I think I'm, uh, I was undefeated in all three fantasy leagues. Reggie was one of the reasons why uh, I'll say that. Uh, now that we have, we have a champ on the on, on line with us, so I, I got to remind him I'm coming for his crown. But <laughs> I digress. Uh, yeah, we definitely digress. Let's not get into all but, of that. But, but it's probably the best the best all around game that team has put together. You know, they held except for. Um, you know the, the long run that they uh, uh, that Peterson had up front uh, early in the game. You know they basically held um, uh, the Minnesota uh, to you know what around uh, 100, uh, 105 yards rushing. You know seventy eight of that was on one run. Um, so the defense played well. Stafford threw for three hundred fifty seven yards, two touchdowns. They you couldn't shut down. Um, you know, Megatron, and then stop their offense. They were able to go somewhere else. And so Detroit, you know, as much as I said, their biggest problem is really leadership in the locker room. I think Reggie Bush adds something to the leadership. And in some ways I think he can do for them in a poor man's version of what Marshall Clark did when he went to uh, to St. Louis. Gave him that triple, that double threat, that triple threat or whatever, that double threat out of the backfield, the running and the passing, that's going to open up for the receivers and give them a lot more things. I think, consequently, that's going to help the defense. So Detroit is a team that I, I really think from week one, they got the bolts. What you see is something that could be sustainable over time. Okay, okay. Yeah, the, the thing with Detroit, and I picked them to win that division, and I like them as a, as a potential playoff team and a sleeper in the playoffs. The thing that just gives me pause with them, man, is just the, the knuckleheadedness, man. Like, yes. 
acting like the the, the nineteen you know, 91 Raiders all the time. Come on, man. Get that Anthony Mason out your system, man. Sue, <laughs> chill, bro. Chill. <laughs> Fall back, man. <laughs> Let it breathe for me. Like, you ain't got to – I mean, come on, man. Give him some anger management classes or something, man. You got to write that in the next contract. But, you know, and it rubs off on other guys, unfortunately. And I think that, that that's the piece that, you know – it's going to bite them in the backside at the worst time, which it always kind of happens with these squads. But they have a ton of talent. It seems like it's all in place. I think, PAD, you pointed this out. When they have had running backs who have been healthy and dynamic, they have produced. Uh, whether it's been Javid Best or Kevin Smith for the couple of games that he, he, was, he was healthy, another really good running back who was really his career was derailed by injuries, those guys were healthy. This is a tough team to deal with. Um, so, you know, the last couple of years, they haven't been really healthy and they've kind of been piecemeal in the backfield. Um, Reggie's going to help. My concern with Reggie is, and Reggie said this himself when he went to Miami, he was happy to go to Miami because he was finally back on grass. Now, this fool has signed up with the team. He's back on turf. I And he was already hobbling in game one. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm just saying, D-Will, don't count your blessings too soon, brother. You know, I built some depth, so I, I'll trade a person. Get your window today. shopping on. Get your window <laughs> shopping on. You look like me when I, when I was watching Vic yesterday. Sell high, buy low. You work in fantasy. And I would say the other team, I don't know if you just want us to do one or two. Do you just want us to do one? No, you can do a couple. Whatever. How, the, the other team I got to raise this issue could – because y'all, 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 y'all played the music on me when we were talking the preseason stuff. <laughs> First of all, you know, you know, Phil T, we might have to have you go in the booth because I made a number of predictions that always get booed up front and then they come to be real. And we need to put a we put put together some kind crack, of compilation of the yeah that that one. Smoke crack, don't you? Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> one of the things I said, you you asked me, you asked me, asked like what unit. And I said that Dallas Cowboy front seven. You know, again, I'm a Steelers fan, but I'm here to be real sports guy, and I got to keep it real. And I said the Cowboys. And, you know, the Giants helped them out a lot. My, my brother Wilson, boy, if you can't see the loneliest guy in football this weekend, was that brother Wilson, the running back for the Giants. Um, I just, he, he started, he can't do two seasons in a row like this. I mean, and the Cowboys just dressed him down, but, I, I go. I digress. Going back over here to the Cowboys, that defense under under Kiffin is solid. The only thing I worry about with them is the running game. Murray looked like a beast, but he one of them cats that just run hard. Can he hold up? He don't know how to avoid hits. He just like to hit people. But if he can stay healthy, he gives a legitimate running game that I think helps them kind of balance their offense a little bit. But I like the way the Cowboys played. I like the aggressiveness that they had. And very impressed with um, the the that they 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 look like a physical cowboy team that I haven't seen in a long time. Okay, okay, PhD, some teams that impress. Yeah, two things. First of all, I have to give a shout out to Eric Hamilton, the fantasy guru from KZU. Uh, check out our fantasy football primer on realsportsguys.com that we released last week. 
One of the things Eric said for one of his breakout players was tight end Jared Cook for the St. Louis Rams. And I asked him who about five times exactly who he was talking about. But uh, Jared Cook looked like he was on Madden 2009, 2010 when he was a star for me. Um, my man caught seven seven balls for 140-plus yards and a touch. And he looked like a young Antonio Gates. Um, so for me... He, along with the uh, Rams, really surprised me quite a bit. The second team that showed me a lot on opening weekend was the New Orleans Saints, specifically their defense. (laughs) Uh, Rob Ryan's down there, I believe, and that defense looked pretty good, man. Um, They took a, to me, the most loaded offensive unit in football, the Atlanta Falcons, and they made them look very pedestrian, um, very, very pedestrian, very average um, in terms of holding them to the amount of points they did. So for me, that that makes that whole division up for grabs right now. Um, I think Atlanta will still be in play, but New Orleans, <laughs> you know, you start talking about teams that didn't make the playoffs the year before, that are going to make it this year, you got to put New Orleans at the top of that list. Yeah, both of those teams. Yeah, I got Jared Cook on one of my squad, on two of my teams, actually. I scooped him up twice. Um, so he had big days, scored big points for me. So hats off to him. And the Rams. That's going to be – that AFC West division is, is – I mean, NFC West division is very tough from top to bottom. You know, there isn't uh, – a, a, the floor is, is not as low as it is in some of the divisions. When you talk about that, you can have everybody in that division have more than eight wins, seven and seven and eight wins, and up in that division, um, up to thirteen wins. You can have a thirteen win team and a seven to eight win team at the bottom. That's a tough division with St. Louis, Arizona, uh, San Francisco, and Seattle all looking really good this first weekend. Um, even though St. Louis and Arizona are playing each other, they both they play they played each other tooth and nail to the end. That was a hard fought game. Team I like uh, that really impressed me. Uh, the Denver Broncos. Um, I know that Thursday night game seems like it was eons ago, doesn't it? <laughs> it didn't even seem like it happened with so much action on Sunday this week. But Peyton Manning, I was watching that game, and I'm just watching it, and I'm, and I'm thinking to myself, he hasn't had this many quality weapons since back in the day when he had Harrison, a young Reggie Wayne, Stokely, Dallas Clark and Edgerman James. You know what I'm saying? Like this dude is going he's gonna do some damage. And I will I I'm almost tempted to say that this crew is more talented than those guys. Demaria Thomas or Marvin Harrison on specific physical gifts, Thomas. Now on production, Harrison easy. Harrison is easy. But Thomas, man, that cat's got some gifts. I mean, as big as he is, as fast as he is. Peyton's going to make him look nice. Um, Decker's a great receiver. Welker is Welker. I mean, probably the best slot man in the last 10 years, easy, in the NFL. Uh, and then you got just Julius Thomas coming out of nowhere. I mean, and just destroying the, the Ravens linebackers and safeties all night. <laughs> I mean, there were times I was like, somebody tackle this dude, just trip him, you know, Knock him down, paint him or something. <laughs> you know, so that that team really impressed me with what they did, and they're still figuring out defensively what they're going to be. 
you know, they, they still have to solidify their pass rush. But once they get all those things in place, that's going to be a tough squad to deal with. You know, you got Peyton Manning at the helm, so you know that position is going to be taken care of. Um, the other team that impressed me were the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, you talk about a statement win. This is a team that won two games last year. Won two games last year, and this is how you come out and separate yourself and say we are not who you thought we were. <laughs> All right? They come out, and they play against another lowly squad, a squad that, in theory, if you're coming then coming off a bad season too, these teams should be evenly matched. Kansas City said, oh, no, no, no. This ain't, this, this ain't, this ain't the same Chiefs from last season. Offensively, their Andy Reid has got them in working in concert, working in unison. They're playing well together. And on defense, now that that defense has an offense that can put points on the board, now you're kind of seeing why that defense had five Pro Bowlers on it. You know, that's a tough D, and they, they shut out Jacksonville. All, the only points Jacksonville got were off of safety, which there were a lot of safeties. <laughs> I think we had a season's worth of safeties in one week. This week, but I think that goes back to, I think that goes back to the preparation um, and how preparation has changed. And so there were a lot of week one miscues um, and on a, on a lot of things. It's just like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know. So, but that was a team that impressed me um, with the Chiefs, and I really like what I saw with the Broncos. Um, now, switching gears, we're going to talk about some teams that gave us reason to be concerned. Um, and I'll start out. Uh, B-Wills, homie, B-Wills. Uh, it's my team as well. Whatever you, whatever you going to say, it's my team. It's my team. It's my team. I'm going to have it. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Before you go into your analysis, just so I can save some time, I'm going to say, there are problems. I wrote this. There are problems. I have no answers. I have no answers. I'll just leave it at that. Now you go ahead and talk about that. Yeah, can we? This is this is one. Somebody. This is one I called. We are talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers. Devon is a true green, black, and yellow fan. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, Marcus. <laughs> and so. In our preseason show, I said that I was I was a little worried about the Steelers. And Devon's like, oh, we're going to be fine. We're going to be all right. We're going to be fine. He had them black and gold colored glasses. We're going to be fine. We're going to be all right. Man, ain't never wrong this roster. We good. This is how we do. And I told him, I said, all right, man. Now, I don't see a lot of depth on this squad, man. And I don't see no playmakers. And that's really what it is right now with the Steelers. That's what has me concerned. I'm not ready to throw dirt on them just yet. Like I said, this, I am. we're not that. We're not team knee jerk. We're not team knee jerk. In I week am. one, but what I will say, because I believe in Tomlin, I believe in Tomlin. That's my guy. You know what I mean? You should, nice straight edge. You know, get the razor, sharpen that up real quick. You know, he keeps his edges nice. Well, any cat to keep his edges that nice, he's gonna figure some things out. Alright? But, but the cook is only as good as his ingredients. <laughs> <laughs> and right now, man, that squad, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a definitely a transition year for the story Pittsburgh Steven franchise. So Devon, that gave me reason for concern, brother. Sorry, Devon. Devon before, that, you, before you give your rebuttal, Devon, I really want to, I really want for you to give us an original one because I'm sure 
You've been taking bullets all weekend. Uh, it may seem like it's been a month since the opening weekend. It's just Tuesday. Uh, but Devon, so I don't want like I don't want the automatic, you know, response. I want for you to give us something original because you know when I'm listening, I don't want it to sound like a record because I'm sure at this point you've been saying so much. And the last thing I'll say is Tony Dungy on the Dan Patrick Show yesterday. His words: "I was hurt as a former Steeler watching that performance because that is not Steeler football." <laughs> <laughs> now you know it's bad when you hurt Tony Dungy's feelings. <laughs> the man who like loves Tony everything. Dungy, a tear came out of that. <laughs> I got you. Yeah, got let, let me, let, yeah, let me set this up. So I'm I'm running back and forth. I'm traveling. And, you know, like on Sirius, they put the score, too, you know, so you hear it. So I was looking for the station, like, and the Steeler, you want this, I, I, you, the Steeler broadcast, you had to look, yeah, I had to go all over Sirius to find the station. But when you turn to it and you see, you like, is this baseball? You see two points. <laughs> <laughs> That's when I, that was my first indication that there was a problem. <laughs> and... Then I started listening to the broadcast, and I drew the conclusion that Tony did. I said, this is not stealing football. You know, when I heard Larry Foote got hurt, I was like, oh, my goodness. Pouncey got hurt. When you start losing on people who are in the lock, it's not just that they're great players, but they, they, they embody what Tony Dungy is talking about. You know, who's going to step up and, and, and do that? What I will say is that I think they can right the ship. And, and, and defensively, they play decently. I guess I, a team I think is going to be good over time. Um, a little worried about their quarterback in Tennessee, but I think they got some stuff. The defense, the offense I'm worried about. And part of the problem that I'm worried about is Ben has Elway disease. And until Elway realized I need a running game to help me, once he realized that, but it, it took him to get old to realize he was old first, that it can happen. Then, well, I think he's starting to, he starting to get there, but then they don't have a running game. Everybody getting hurt. Live getting hurt. So I think he, so I'm scared about, you know what I'm scared for is Haley. Because yeah, yep, only, second, yep. only, second, only second to uh, our, our great coach over at Nebraska, there's, I don't think there's any other coach that blows a gasket more. Than Haley, <laughs> and I don't know if he's gonna survive three games if this doesn't right the ship. If you're talking about a must win, you know there's very few must wins right now, but a must win for the Steelers is right now. They gotta win at Cincinnati, and y'all get a sense from my prediction. We talk about it later. They're at must win. If they want to even pretend they got a chance, they're at must win this week. I just don't know if they got it. I don't know if they – it hurts me to think they can't get off the mat. And I think Mike Tom is a great coach, but I think Gary Terry you put it best. At a certain point, it ain't even about the motivation. It ain't about the scheme. Sometimes it's just about having talent. And the one thing that the Steelers yeah. always yeah. had, whether it was young, old, or whatever, is they found that talent, whether it was a small college guy from somewhere else that was a linebacker, that they were able to find that guy who could step up 
and we're gonna find out if they've done their if they've done their kind of scouting job and if they drafted well. We're gonna find it out right now. Uh, yeah. because and this happens from time to time with the Steelers. Bill Cowell went five and eleven one year too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cowell had a bad yeah. year too. Yeah. Chuck Noel yeah. had a had a couple bad years yeah. too. It happens. Yeah. And you know, but, but the organization pay, historically has rebound re- rebounded from, from these from these years. So it it hurts me to say, but I'm like I'm like Dungey. It brought a tear to my eye, man. Yeah. It is. I feel so like I was watching point out for concern. Oh, are we are we all going Steelers? <laughs> it's all Steelers, man. I, I got I, I got other the other concern I have, even though they won, is the Patriots. They mm-hmm. got Yeah, yes. And yes. and um, you know, people are gonna be getting exploited. And you got a question. I mean, somebody raised a great question. It's what it's been about ten years since they won the Super Bowl. How much time can you go in your name? Right. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know, right. how much does brand identity work? I mean, who got more right. I mean, who get more excuses than Brady and Brady and Michigan man, I love him. Brady and Belichick. They get people make more excuses for them than anybody. At some point I mean, at this point at this point Brady and Belichick are like Buster Rhymes and Ludacris. Like you was hot like ten years ago. You ain't dropped a great album in a minute, dog. <laughs> like you, I mean, you you spend you consistent. I mean, you got good verses. But where you gonna put out a good album? That's where they are right now. They bust around the ludicrous. Like you living, you you living off your, your hotness from oh four. <laughs> and you gotta have concerns about that. So right. I, I think I think the Patriots. I mean, they won, but you can't be happy. Yeah, and, and, and you know, I, I kind of talked about this in our preseason show. The, the traditional powers, particularly in the AFC, I think are, are, are in for a down year. Um, mm-hmm. They're not going to be as strong as they usually are. And I'm talking about the Steelers, the Ravens, the Patriots. Those squads are not going to be as as tight as they usually are, um, and I think they're going to try and rebuild on the fly. And I, I think that's what you got to be able to do, though. You got to be able to rebuild on the fly, stay somewhat competitive, and not totally bottom out. This ain't the NBA. You ain't got to totally bottom out in football. And, 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 and game changer, game changer. I got to have my my Floyd Fay, uh, uh, Mayweather moment with you in football. <laughs> our, our great quarterback that I thought was out there is the Philip Rivers. Uh-huh. You are who you say you are. You remember, you know, I fought. I tried to fight the good fight with Philip. Hey, I, I'm, I'm wow. just saying, man. I, 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 try, I, I, tried, I, I tried. I tried. I tried to fight the good fight. Giving up? But I'm, 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 I'm over in the game changer camp. I'm over <laughs> away. I'm over. You ain't fooling me. <laughs> I'm over here. I tried to fight a good fight for you. Can't even do it anymore. Devon, you sound <laughs> defeated. I, yeah, I'm defeated. It's been a bad weekend. I just, you know, it, 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 I, I won all three fantasy. I, uh, fantasy, why it is, but we real sports guys, you know. Beyond the fantasy, yeah, I'm three and zero. You know, all three of our leagues. I'm not keep saying that, but at the end of the day, we still uh, it's about the football, and I'm, I'm a little dejected. You know, I'm not. You know, the, the evidence. I got one more huh? shot for you, Divine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just can't help myself. I mean, oh, how often are the Steelers this bad? Uh, <laughs> so, so I I actually had to start Isaac Redman in one of my leagues. That's how bad oh, I am. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you, you, you struggling. 
Now, really now, I went three and oh, I went three and oh, Sonny. Let me just put that out there. But that was not a strong point. His nine yards um, and fumble loss. <laughs> but, but let me put this right here. <laughs> Tomlin, Monday, Monday press conference. Uh, Coach, Coach Tomlin, um, why didn't you go to Felix Jones? Uh, Felix does not know the offense yet. This cat has been in camp all camp. How do you not know the offense? What? Goodness. What's going on there, man? He might as well go out there and say, Felix has a learning disability. <laughs> you know, that's, that's about all I can say, man. Right, he's going to without a touch because he is I mean, not. I mean, that's all. I mean, he might as well just went up there and said that. He might as well just went up there and said that. <laughs> well, the, the, the one thing, I, the one thing I want to say is we often talk about, you know, when Marino retired, uh, Elway retired, all these things. We often talk about being able to replace a great coach. Where the Steelers have struggled is they've never been able to replace the bus. They haven't replaced. Yeah the physical play that they were able to do. Rush. They tried to bring guys in, thought Mendenhall would do it, thought these different guys would do it, but they never have been able to re- replace the bus. You know, you know, you know, Jonathan Dreyer is a big guy. You know, he can get physical, but none of these guys can be sustainable. You think Le'Veon Bell can do it once he gets his stuff going, but they haven't, they've never been able to get that guy like the bus who can help his line by being a physical runner. And that's where they're struggling at. And and they've just never been able to have a sustainable running game here in, in recent years and got caught in that fool's goal with the passing game. So, yeah, you got a cat who don't know the plays. Well, they're going to stick him in. They just need to do the zone blocking scheme and just go. I'm At, at some point, I'm going to say run the daylight. You know, run the daylight, man. You know, it's whatever you figure out, go in. Big Ben killed. Yeah. That's the biggest problem. Yeah. They're missing that pass protection. They, they, they can't have that. that. You, you can, but you know, at a certain point, you know, Ben get rid of the ball or get beat up. <laughs> you know, you you got to do something. But he right, he don't know play. But I just don't know where they go. Yeah. And when my, when my comment looks dejected, we all in trouble. Yeah. This is a cat who think he can figure everything out. But well, enough of that. I'll take my meetings. Maybe next week I have something better to say. Hopefully, hopefully next week things will work out better for you. Like you said, it's a, it's a, it's a big game. Uh, you put it week two is a must win for the Steelers. So says D. Will. So y'all need to get on that. Uh, we gonna move on to new faces, new places. Best debut with a new team. Pad, who was your new face in a new place with the best debut? Anquan Bolden. Oh, plus oh 200 yeah. Plus two hundred yards. Plus two hundred yards. Now, see, Anquan Bolden. He does something when he's with new teams. His first game with the Ravens, he showed out. His very first game in the NFL, he said he's the only guy to ever catch 200 yards in his debut game. You know, he did that with the Cardinals. You know, Mr. Football in 1998 for the state of Florida as a quarterback, Anquan Bolden. And they got Anquan Bolden for a bag of chips from the Ravens. Okay? A six-round yeah, pick. A six Round pick. That's what they got Anquan Bolden. And Anquan Bolden was one of the best football players on the field on Sunday. You know, 13, 14 catches, 200 yards uh, on two of my leagues. Okay? Um, just just a great all-around game. 
Yeah, Bolton did work. That's a that, that's a great pick. PhD, who's your pick? I mean, I'm sorry, D. Wills, who's your pick? New face, new place, best debut. Uh, I'm gonna stick with Eight Mile, Reggie Bush. He had 191 total yards. Uh, he had that 77 yard touchdown in the third quarter. Um, explosive game. You know, looked comfortable other than a little limp he had. But uh, <laughs> you know, and uh, Reggie did his thing. Reggie's being Reggie. Absolutely. I, I like that pick, too. Reggie, again, 191 total yards. Uh, Looked like old school Reggie. Big run. Nice game. Guy I'm going to go with, Alex Smith, quarterback, Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, came out, saw the game, two, two touchdown passes. You know, consistent, did his thing, high completion percentage. Just kept the offense rolling, kept the offense moving. That's what they want from him. That's why they brought him there. They didn't bring him there to be Colin Kaepernick or to be Russell Wilson or one of these other guys. They just need him to be solid, allow their defense to do what their defense is going to do, which is stop people, and, and get the ball to the playmakers, Jamal Charles, Dwayne Bowe, Dexter Cluster. Get the ball out to those guys. Let them run around do their thing. You know, Kansas City is a, a, a quarterback-starved uh, community right now, and they're happy to have him. So that's off to those three fellas, Anquan Bolden, Reggie Bush, and Alex Smith for having great debuts with their new franchises. Now we're going to get into our week two predictions. This is where the real sports guys, this is where we get a little competitive. We got to get these predictions going this year, all right? We got to get these predictions going. So we got four games in the NFL that we're going to uh, predict, and we got three college games that we're going to get into after we talk a little bit of college football. But we, let's get into these four NFL games first, all right? First game we got, we got the Redskins. What's that? I have a request. You got a? Re- What's your request, sir? <laughs> so, um, the predictions, the weekly NFL predictions, is a RSG thing. It is. Uh, it's something that we hang our hat on. Um, but as the uh, whistleblower of the show. I will like to point out that whenever the game changer gets off to a slow start, because it's the game changer's responsibility <laughs> to, keep, to keep track, to keep track of the record. Um, whenever the game changer gets off to a slow start, hey, man. you know, everybody just always stays a game or two above 500. It's week seven, and our, in, you know, and we pick three games each week, and our records are three and one. You know, I, I, I just, you know, I just want to put that out there on tape. There you go. Hey, you go wax. Let me put it on wax, man. Hey, man, paperwork be getting lost, man. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> all these papers be on my desk. <laughs> I mean, when I put them scores, that man, when I put the prediction. <laughs> you know, once once I once I get down, you know, once I once it look like I'm not competing no more, you know, I gotta, I gotta save face. I ain't gonna lie, I gotta save face. <laughs> So what I'll try to do, no, I won't try. I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep track. I'm gonna keep track this year, of uh, all the way through. We are gonna make it all the way through. Week 16, baby. Week 16, we are gonna get it all the way through this year. All right, as long as I'm getting down. <laughs> as long as I ain't bringing up the rear, I'm gonna keep track. Yeah. All right. So your request is upheld. Request will be upheld. All right. Thanks. So. Week two, we got the Redskins at the Packers. All right, we got RG3's return, take two. 
They're going up in the Lambo. PhD, who you got? I'm going to go with the Redskins. That that defense for the Packers, it was a concern coming into the season, and I really think that the Redskins are going to get back to run the game, run the ball, um, being a little bit more consistent, being a bit, bit more balanced because they didn't get – they won't get behind as fast. So I like the Redskins and Lambeau. Okay. Okay. D. Wills. Uh, I, what, I, what I'll say is I think the Packers, um, it was, it, they met the physical challenge, and that's what they wanted to do against the 49ers uh, last week. You know, Kaepernick, as I said, you know, where's Ray at? Talking all that junk about Kaepernick, put his, put his game together. But the Packers, I thought, battled out there in a tough environment. Now they come home. They're going to be in Lambeau. Um, I still think they're going to, uh, Washington's got some problems with. I'm calling Washington. I'm trying to take after our Monday morning quarterback. Uh, Washington is going. Is Washington uh, is uh, uh, struggling still with the pass protection. I think they're going to dial up some things. I think the Packers uh, winning at home. Packers over the uh, over Washington. Okay. So D. Wills is going with Green Bay. I, too, am going with Green Bay. Um, I think the Packers are are not going to start 0-2. They're not going to do that to themselves. I expect, you know, Lambeau Faithful to be there cheering them on. It's going to be a packed house. It's going to be rocking. And I think, you know, they they will have had all season to prepare for the zone read. So I think they came into this looking at this as a two-game set. When they when they pregame and talked about how they're going to defend his own read and deal with his own read. Now they got punched in the mouth on Sunday because when they didn't get punched, they was looking for a punch and they got kicked in, kicked low. <laughs> they got kicked instead of a punch, and so I think now they're going to have their block up ready, trying to block both to kick in the punch. If you catch my if you catch my metaphor right. <laughs> Now I think they're ready for both uh, both different kinds of attacks, and I think they they the 49ers may have given them some looks that may have may help them coming into this week as far as how they want to defend and protect themselves against the pass as they try and defend the zone read. So I think they'll be a little bit more prepared for the Redskins um, and just having some ideas of how they better want to play against a similar style of team, um, a similar style of system at the 49ers run and not be so vulnerable to giving up. 400 million yards in uh, passing. Game two, we have the Denver Broncos at the New York Giants, Manning Bowl three or four, whatever it is. Uh, E-Wills, who you got Manning Bowl? Uh, you know, Peyton, I believe, I believe Peyton is 2-0 and against Little Brother. Peyton is, you know, Peyton going to perform in the regular season. It's about the playoffs right now. Um, and uh, the is Giants, it still is it still about the playoffs of Peyton Manning? What do you got to do yeah, with the playoffs? Because, because I think he wants that ring, and I think it's about his comeback is about winning the ring. And so, okay, you know, they're going to perform at a real at a high level. Uh, the Giants at this point, because of the fumbles, you know, they brought uh, you know uh, who they bring back uh, Jacobs or whatever Brandon they brought back. They have no, yeah, they have no, they have no running game. Uh, they're going to be one dimensional. I think the Brian, I think the Broncos game travels, um, and Tom Coughlin has to lose a gasket for the first couple of weeks for them to turn it around. So he hadn't quite <laughs> lost all his gaskets. He got he got 
He's going to have to go off the handle. This game is going to go off the handle. I think the Giants will turn around after that. I'm going with the Broncos. All right. So we're coming in with the Broncos. PAZ, Broncos at Giants. Who you got? Oh, boy. Hmm. I don't have facts to back this up. <laughs> I'm going with the Giants. Well played. I'm going with the Giants. They gave me no evidence, no support. But, man, the Giants, they, for the past five years, they look really bad for a week or two. Then they, you know, beat the team that we have crowned, you know, as Denny Green would say. So, I like the Giants, man. <laughs> no other reason than they won't go on, too. Hey, you want to crown them, then crown them. That's I'm right, Timber. Uh, I'm going with Denver. I just think, you know, the offense is going to be too explosive. I think the Giants still have to figure out the running game situation. I don't think Eli's a guy who can drop back and, and just fling the ball. He's best in play action, and ain't nobody falling for that. They want you to hand it off to one of those cats so they can get the ball from him. So I just don't think the Giants got will have it put put together. Um PAG made a, made a very good case, though. He made a very good case, and they do do that. They do exactly that. That is their go-to move. Play poorly one week, and then the next week beat the brakes off of somebody who's supposed to be really good. Um, so I got to pick somebody. I'm picking Denver, though. Um, game three for next week, we have San Francisco 49ers at Seattle Seahawks, 12th man, and, and the great Northwest is in full effect. I am going to go with the Seahawks in this one. Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson. D-Wheels. My style is impetuous. My defense is impregnable. And I'm just ferocious. I want your heart. I want to eat his children. Praise be to Allah. (laughs) (laughs) That is what kind of game this is. This is hide the women and children. These are folks who don't like each other. Woo-wee. If you ain't in front of your TV for this one, this is all that. But I, I believe in Seattle, they're the kryptonite. They're the kryptonite to the 49ers. I love some Kaepernick. But I just think the difference is going to be the 12th man. It's going to be on that field. I think Seattle picked up the way to kick a field goal to win this one. This one's going to be close. This is going to be a battle. Coaches don't like each other. They've been balanced since the days at Stanford and USC. They take it on the road. There might be a fight in the middle. The coaches might fight after the game. I'll at Detroit. I'm looking forward to this one. Seattle. Okay. So you got Seattle. PAD. I'm going to go with Seattle. Um, the experts, the pundits seem to think that this team plays very good at home and they can't be beat. And their record for the last couple of years support that. So I'm going with Seattle. You're going to let the data speak. Yep. All right. Last NFL matchup, we had the Pittsburgh Steelers traveling to Cincinnati, the Queen City, to take on the Cincinnati Bengals. D. Wills? I want winners. It pains me to say what I'm about to say. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. But at a certain point, it's about talent. And I got to be real. 
the Steelers' talent is questionable right now. Wow. And the Bengals, the Bengals right now, they are loaded on defensive line, strong front seven. Uh, they're at home. You know, I had a chance to watch them in their stadium. Great home crowd. Um, you know, I, I think the Bengals, the Bengals won this one. The panic button is starting to get hit in Pittsburgh, and then I think Pittsburgh then goes on some type of run. But I think this is going to be the bottom out because at this point, my boy still ain't going to know his plays. And so it's going to be on the road. <laughs> He's going to be missing blocks. And it just pains me, man. It just pains me. Hope they prove me wrong, but I just got to be honest. Y'all know how hard this is. I'll go for the Steelers to play with through. Yeah. You heard it here. Yeah. Uh, the, ba- the Bengals got this one. You know, I watch Hard Knocks, man. I know what they got. It's open. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, PhD, who you got in this one? Ooh, this is a tough one. This is a tough one. Uh, I really like the Bengals. Although although they lost on Sunday to the Bears, you know, and the guy I was actually watching the game with, I told him, listen, this is, uh, you know, Dalton has some turnovers, but very few teams in the league turn people over like the Bears do. So I don't really see it as a point of concern. Uh, Chicago has improved offensively. Uh, for that reason, I think since he's going to be okay, I like the matchup against the Steelers because the Steelers look horrible this year. So I'm going to go with the Bengals. <laughs> okay. And I, too, chose the Bengals. Um, <laughs> no explanation. So, I mean, it is what it is, dog. <laughs> I'm choosing the Bengals. <laughs> you saw the Steelers play. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> they only up there out of, out of respect. They only up there out of respect. <laughs> Got to respect the program. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And so then we're going to go to number five. What new information do we have after week one? I'll start this one off. Um, after week one, Colin Kaepernick is going to be a problem. Um, I was a little shaky on Duke, but I watched firsthand how he handled everything that the Packers threw at him. And what really sold me on this dude was his response to when they tried to, when the media tried to bait him in the, pro, in the post-game press conference about the Clay Matthews hit, which was a dirty hit. Green Bay fans, y'all got to y'all gotta cut that out, man. If, if Sue had done that, y'all be calling for that brother's head, man. Clay Matthews launched himself after being out of bounds for about six feet Launched himself in, in, in clotheslines, Kaepernick, like he was macho man Randy Savage. Hey, that's not okay. That's not good football. That's dirty. Get off that. But Kaepernick handled that question, the questions that he got in the post game very well. It was just like, yo, man, it is what it is. You know, we got the flag and we moved on. <laughs> you know, he didn't get me mad. But he gets it, man. He gets it. And I was worried if he got it, but he seems like he gets it. So, all right. I, I like that dude, man. I'm 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 on I'm on board with Cap. I'm on board with Kaepernick. So that's that's new. Kaepernick's Kaepernick's guy. He he gets it. That's my new information for this week. He will. What's your new information for this week? My new information is I'm pretty good with quarterbacks. I talked about Kaepernick back in the day. People pushed me on it. We had the whole Cam Newton blowout. Big gun. I, I, I thought he's still out on Cam. Birdie's still out on Cam. 
but but we still we still know he's, he's still regressing. Come he's on, regressing. Come on, come on. No, 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 no. no he's don't regressing. Do don't don't make me Mayweather you again. You're bring it to my side <laughs> after that. He's uh, regressing. And now I, I and, and EJ Manuel. I called it. People pundits were like, "How could they take you?" I was like, well, "I watched this kid play. He's smart. He played in a top program. He got them turned around." He got all the size, all the strength. He, he got the arm strength, throw the pace. And uh, in his first week, he put together a solid performance. Now, they need some help at the end to finish, to try to finish things. He made some things, but this kid can play. And he played in the, in the preseason before he got hurt. He can say he can play. But what we do know is all these people say, well, he's a project. I'm, I'm starting to wonder whether these people watch football. And this is another kid, as I call Catholic. I watched him at Nevada. It's, when I hear people talk about it, I'm like, I need to go back and watch film again because when I see this kid, I see something different. And so here's another kid I'm learning is that this young kid, you know, he's still got ways to go, but I think, you know, he's going to be up for probably rookie uh, of the week uh, in terms of his performance. He's going head-to-head with the best quarterback in the game. And, you know, for the most part, he looked like he did some things. So I like E.J. Manuel. I got to say that, you know, given the way that they evaluated him when he came out. So, Kid can play. Okay. Okay. PhD, what's your new information? My new information is that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> oh, no boy. They're in bad shape. They're in bad shape. Yeah. I think it all started, you know, <laughs> Freeman, their quarterback. This cat was a captain for yep. three years. And yeah. all of a sudden, all of a sudden. Yeah. They make Vincent Jackson. Let's let's not forget Vincent Jackson is a cat who said that I don't want to play, so I'm going to play the minimum. And I'm not happy with the amount of money I was being paid. I don't care about my team in San Diego. Okay, Union, how many games do I need to play to be able to be a free agent? Okay, week 10? All right, I'll show up at week 10. They made this cat yeah. the captain over Freeman. Yeah. That's not good. That's not good. No. That's not a good sign no. for this club. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm, 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 I'm on that same wavelength with you uh, in regards to Josh Freeman and, and the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. When your, when your organization is hitched to what seems to be a lame duck quarterback at this point, that's not good. That's not good at all. Luckily, you know they can always hitch their wagon up to Johnny Manziel. They can always ride off into the sunset with Johnny Football. All right, we got about 10 minutes left in the show. I want to hit some college football talk real quick. We have some big games coming up this week, one big game in particular. I'm talking about Alabama versus Texas A&M. I want you guys to weigh in on how you think this is going to go and give me your pick for this particular game. I'm going to start with PhD, then D-Wills, you can jump in as soon as he's done. Be brief, be quick, but be on point. I like Bama throughout the summer in the weight room. News came out that Bama has been showing the a game on a loop <laughs> in the weight room all summer. <laughs> Saban has been talking about this all the off, like the entire off season. I'll be watching the game with some Aggie fans, um, but unfortunately, I will be taking Alabama in this game. I think they're just too right. tough, balanced. Yeah, so Bama. Okay. 
A few D-Wills. Alabama won with two, basically, what, a kickoff return, punt return. Um, I was going to go with Alabama, but there are, there are some people that are just a thorn in your side. And I think Johnny Mitchell is going to be saving Storm. For all the reasons I think I should bet against this kid, I think this is the moment that's going to right the ship. And it's at A&M. I see them. I see. I see him throwing the money. It's a and M and the upset over Bama. Mm. Mm. Wow. That, 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 that's an onion right there. That's an onion. That's bold. That's bold, brother. That's bold. Um, I'm going Bama. I'm going Bama hard. I mean, I'm going. This might be the end of the Manziel mania. <laughs> I mean, if you're Alabama, man, you got to look at it. you got to sit back and look at that tape and that game and say, we made this dude. <laughs> right. We made this dude. This dude won the Heisman for beating us. And now he's all over on Twitter and he's all over the internet acting like he really did something. All he did was beat us. We made you. And because we made you, we can end you. <laughs> wow. And, and that's, the, that's, that's the approach I'm taking if I'm Alabama. And I'm going out there to destroy this dude. Now, what I will say is, is that I don't like Johnny Manziel. <laughs> I don't like that Johnny Manziel does. And I hope Johnny Manziel fails horribly all the time. <laughs> I'll admit my biases. I'm off on this dude. Like I said, Ryan Lee's 2.0. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, I'm good on Johnny Manziel. So I got Bama. Now, our other college football game that we have highlighted this week, we have Nebraska. At UCLA, both ranked teams. Jim Moore Jr. has UCLA back in the rankings. Uh, Nebraska coming off of a, a, a tough loss this past week, or a tough game. They were in a tough game this week uh, with Wyoming. Wyoming took them down to the wire. Who you got in this one, Big Ten, Pac-12, or Pac-16, or Pac-37, whatever they are. Um, there's a lot of teams out there, um, you know, who you got, PhD, uh, in this particular tilt? The Brass or the Bruins? UCLA? UCLA. Okay. Yeah, I like what more is right. All right. D. Wills, who you got? I'm going UCLA. All right. We're making it a trifecta because I'm going with UCLA too. I, I can't trust Nebraska. I ain't, I ain't been I ain't been about Nebraska since Thomas Frazier was there. And I can't do nothing with him. I can't do nothing with him. Can't win with him, can't coach with him, can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, somebody needs to give Mike Singletary some props. I think that quote right there, he turned around Vernon Davis' life. <laughs> he, he, he helped that brother out in a different kind of way. There's coaching and then there's helping somebody get their life together. <laughs> That's right. Oh, man. So, you listen to the Real Sports Guys. Cannot play with him. Cannot win with him. Cannot coach with him. Can't do it. That's right. That's it right there. Motivation. That's motivation right there, man. That's motivation. You know, Vernon Davis probably listens to this show, and he hears us play that 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 uh that drop all the time, and he probably gets motivated every time he hears us play that because he know that was inspired by him. All right, that was inspired by him. All right, so RSG, you listen to the Real Sports Guys, RealSportsGuys.com. The Renegades, we're going to get into the Resistance Digital Dog of the Week. I'm going to hit you off 
with the promo, and then we're going to get into the dogs. Now we're going to get into our Resistance Digital Dog of the Week. Resistance Digital Solutions. Are you tired of running to the boys in blue? Are you done with listening to sales staff trying to upstate technology that you don't need? We've all been there. So what did the real sports guys do? We contacted Resistance Digital Solutions for all our technology needs. They are not there to meet sales quotas or make profit margins. They simply just want to sell you what you need at a fair price. From iPads to PCs to flat screens, TVs, or intricate home theater systems, they customize every solution based on your needs. Check out their website at www.resistancedigital.com or email them at sales at resistancedigital.com for your custom technology solutions today. P-A-U-D, dog of the week. What you got? Serena Williams. She wins her fifth U.S. Open. Kind of got lost in the shuffle with the NFL opening weekend, but uh, we're witnessing one of the best tennis players ever. Yeah, that's no lie. That's no lie. Hats off to Serena. D. Wills, dog of the week. I, I, I'm gonna say Serena, but I'm, I'm gonna leave that to him. And I'm also I'm, I'm gonna say Devin Gardner, 294 yards, four touchdowns. He had a fifth touchdown rushing, 82 yards rushing. He's on my list of uh, 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 people under the kind of under the radar going for the Heisman. I love Devin. All right, uh, my dog of the week, Gary Payton, the glove, inducted into the NBA, uh, to the Basketball Hall of Fame. Um, one of the guys who I idolized as a kid for the way he played D, ran the point, and just didn't take nothing from nobody. Hats off to GP. So that will do it for another edition of the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, RSG, the Renegades. We are here. We are back, ready to kick it with you throughout this NFL season, this fantasy football season, into the basketball season, and on through to the playoffs, the Super Bowl. We're going to be here for the long haul, y'all. So just sit back, relax, check in with us every week, Tuesday at 8.30 Central Time, and we're going to keep it live. All right? Peace, be well, be blessed. Check you next week.